Um, all right, so, you know, we spent many months talking about an assassin who piles up the bodies and takes out people, and there's lots of gunplay. So I think to change things up and transition a little, we're talking about an assassin who <laughs> piles up the bodies. <laughs> who does all of that. A lot of gunplay, but... Um, hey, you know what, though? Rap- no, rape. no rape in this one. There's no rape, and, and no. I, we got to commend the filmmakers for that, at least. Very modern. Um, we're talking about john wick uh and john wick uh, chapters one through three um i think these movies are we talked about this um it, it's almost like each movie is a consequence of the previous movie so to speak um it's it's definitely a linear storytelling as far as you know what leads into the second one and the second one leads into the third one but i think what's unique about this movie compared to a lot of other like generic action films is the world building mm-hmm and I, I would also say just the quality of the action. The action oh, is yeah. so, just so good. I so I should probably I should probably say like I came into this I'd never seen a John Wick. Um, I, I had heard nothing but good things about him, but I still kind of came into this with low expectations. Yeah. Um, not because I thought they'd be bad, but just because I typically don't like. Yeah, like yeah, the hype was the hype was crazy, and I figured that maybe people were kind of exaggerating. Also, I typically don't like just straight ahead action movies. I, I, I like something else to be going on. Right. Um, I usually think action movies are just kind of kind of dumb. Maybe, you know, maybe fun, but ultimately dumb. I do right. not think these movies are dumb. I think they're really smart. They're really well done, um, which is impressive because I guess the director wasn't really a director before this. They were like stunt guys. So it's, it's, it's really impressive, but I, 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 my expectations were just shattered. Um, I enjoyed them all so much, and uh, yeah, immediately was hooked in by how good the action was, and the story. They're they're well written, and and yeah, they're very linear. They all kind of one thing leads into the next. They're very logical. They're they're great. Yeah. Well, I think too. Um, you know, we're not going to be doing a bunch of rankings for this because there's no Bond girl. There's no, you know, um, uh, unique musical score or, or a title song and, and things of that nature. But um, we'll, we'll just talk uh, film by film and, and we'll kind of, at the end of this, kind of go over what's our favorite and what's our least favorite of the three. Um, with all three, I think we're both in agreement. Really enjoyable. Oh, yeah. Very consistent. Um, I, like, I have my ranking for sure, but... They're all very close. I would happily sit down and watch any of them again. Um, and and yeah, just consistent. Like there wasn't really, there's a couple moments in the third where things kind of get a little weird, but uh, for the most part, all just, yeah, quality. Um, no huge drop-offs ever. This was directed by uh, Chad Stahinsky, who was Keanu Reeves' stunt double in the Matrix movies. So that's how probably Keanu Reeves uh, was brought on board with this. And this character was written um, with like a 67-year-old dude in mind who's kind of been through it. Really? Um, 
Yeah, and then the producers of the film said, no, fuck that. Like, let's bring somebody in who's kind of maybe looking a little more, like, a little weathered, but still you can believe he can kick ass like this. You know what I mean? Um, And I, what I found interesting, too, uh, in doing my research for this is this is loosely based on a true story. It is? Did you know that? Yes, yes, it is, sir. I did not. So, I did not know that. That is that is shocking to hear. I want to hear what so, the story is. So there's a Navy SEAL who um, actually wrote Lone Survivor. He was one of the dudes, or the dude that survived, I guess, in this ordeal. Um, I don't know if you ever seen that movie or not, but um, uh, no, I have not. So he was given a yellow Labrador puppy whose name was Daisy. And it was spelled D-A-S-Y. And each letter in that um, spelling is like squad members that he lost in Afghanistan. Um, oh, okay. So April 1st, 2009, about 1 a.m., Latrell was awakened by a gunshot and saw four men drive away. Daisy was dead in his yard from a gunshot wound. So he armed himself with two 9mm Beretta pistols and chased the men through four counties in his truck until the police apprehended them. They taunted Luttrell, threatening to kill him and indicated no remorse for their actions. They were later sentenced for animal cruelty. Luttrell stated later, I spared them because I've killed enough people already. I was like, holy shit, dude. <laughs> like this. <laughs> that is a frightening thing for somebody to say. Goodness gracious. Yeah, and when I was reading that, I was expecting it to say he chased them through four counties before he shot tires out on their vehicle and brutally executed all these men on the side brutally of the road. murdered all of them? Yeah, man. So uh, this is the inspiration That's for the story. Yeah, man. So I, th I thought okay. that was pretty pretty crazy. That's pretty um, cool. Yeah. Going back to the going back to the 67-year-old man thing really quick because that's that's interesting. I'm glad they didn't do that. One thing I like about these movies is they're not – you know they're not they're not like realistic but they're also not totally unrealistic they're sort of grounded in some form of reality right um keanu is kind of the perfect age for this like yes uh, john john wick is retired but he comes out of retirement keanu is kind of the perfect age where he's you know he's he's a little older he's looking a little haggard he's looking like he's been through a lot of stuff but he's still young enough to where you believe that he is well trained and and capable of kicking people's ass if you had a this this kind of the the um the taken thing like when i started watching these movies i was immediately reminded of taken i think these are much better than taken but that was always the problem with with taken was liam neeson was already too old when he did that movie it it got so unbelievable very quickly here's the thing about the taken movies the first one was fantastic because it was kind of grounded, yeah. you, can, you can kind of buy what's going on here. And then as each one went on, it just got more ridiculous. And, and you know, he, all of a sudden he's throwing grenades off of a rooftop and stupid shit like that's happening in the movie. Um, you get a little more fantastical as we go on here, but it's not to where you're just like, oh, come on. Not until the third movie, which we'll talk about that moment. Um, uh, but... It rides that it rides the line. Like again, nobody nobody's capable of this amount of insanity, but it's it's also not so unrealistic that it takes you out of the movie. And I and I, I do like that he, you know, that these movies are all just action scenes strung together, and he's not invincible. He gets beat up a lot. He does, and I think it, you know we start to see a little bit of it in the second one, but in the third one, 
and yeah, you know, we've done so much James Bond over the months and I'm such a fanatic now, just like Matt, that it's hard to not, especially something like this kind of compare to Bond. The third one is a lot more Roger Morris than the rest. And in that regard, it's because it's a little more fantastical. It's a little more, I don't want to say cheesy, but I guess um, just, well, it's, it's a, a little, little more out of the realm of yeah. It's a little more silly than the other two, but it's great. But we'll get we'll get to those points. Um, we'll yeah. start with the beginning with the first movie. So John Wick, the movie starts out. Um, he wakes up and he's you know he's going to his wife's funeral in the rain. We see he had this loving relationship with his wife, and she ends up passing away from cancer or, or something, some illness which we assume is cancer. They don't. Yeah, they don't really say. There's there's actually not even really any dialogue for the first, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes. It's yeah. just kind of flashbacks, and they're, they're telling the story that they were in love, and he lost her. And, right. Um, yeah, and she dies of some sort of illness. Right. And then from there, um, William Defoe shows up, and I forget who he plays in this. But we'll just call him William Defoe. Marcus. Okay. It doesn't matter. Marcus, so they have a it. they have a dialogue in the beginning. I forgot I even forgot he was in this, which is crazy because he plays such an integral role in this entire film. But they you know they share a moment, and um, you know Marcus is telling him basically he's he's glad that he found love. He's glad that he got out of this. We still don't really know what John Wick's all about yet at this point. And then that night, he uh, gets a delivery. The box opens up and it's a little puppy and it's a card from his dead wife. And she was like, you know, I want you to love this because, you know, I don't want you to lose sight of having something. You need something to love in life. And he breaks down crying. And this is like the first point that I can point to where I talked about this with you through these three films. Keanu Reeves is a very good um, visual actor. He's good at mm -hmm. showing um, emotion with his face and, and, and anguish and things of that. It's his dialogue delivery. That's the problem. Yeah. Whenever he talks, all I can hear is Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. Mm -hmm. Like I, I just, I cannot. Yeah. Yeah. It is like, it's, I think it's fine. He totally sells the action. He totally sells that he's a badass. His, his facial expressions are good. His emotions are good. But when right. he talks, I'm immediately reminded it's Keanu Reeves. It's the only knock against his acting. Um, but in this, in these scenes, he he I, I, he barely says two words. I think he speaks to Willem Dafoe's character, and that's pretty much it. Um, mm -hmm. And the rest is all good. And it's it, again, this immediately hooked me because I thought it was such a good, not overdone, not stupid, emotional hook. I knew the setup. I knew his dog got killed. Like everybody knows that. So I was expecting that. I still got a little weepy, uh, but it was, it was, it was well done. It was not like, yeah, it was just, it was just good. So at this point, you know, um, he doesn't really know how to take care of this dog. I think he gives him a bowl of cereal and milk. And he's like, I'll get he you some kibble later. Or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Um, takes his car for a little joyride, and he's getting gas and these Russian dudes roll up. And then, um, let me make sure I get this fucker's name right. He's the most, Yosef. Yosef. Yeah, he Yosef. is the most unlikable character in a movie ever. Like, the he, minute you yeah. see him. He pulls just, up in a, 
he pulls up in a John Wick's in a in a Mustang, like a classic Mustang, I think. And, yeah. And they pull up in their BMW, blasting rap music. They get out. Mm -hmm. They're loud. They're obnoxious. Just yelling in Russian at people. I mean, Russians are still very unlikable. I'm sorry to any Russian listeners, but it's the it's the James Bond thing. Like it's still just they're in there's something about them. Like they're just immediately in American movies at least they're just immediately good villains. I'm right. very sorry, but that's just, that's just the truth. Um, and just Im immediately, he's the most hateable, punchable. He's kind of like he's not a big guy. He's very scrawny. He's kind of full mm -hmm. of himself, and you just immediately want to punch him. He's a little bitch. I mean. He, is, he yeah. goes up to Wick, though, and he's like, oh, you know, nice car. And he's kind of having some friendly dialogue with Wick. And then he tells him how much. Wick's like, it's not for sale. And then uh, the Russian sees the puppy in the in the front seat. And he says in Russian, everything's got a price, little bitch. And then Wick responds to him, not this little bitch, in Russian. And this is the first <laughs> kind of indication where you're like, okay, this guy... There's something else to John Wick, right? If you hadn't seen any of the trailers, you don't know at this point yet who John Wick is, right? Yeah, you start to get a little indication though that he's he's something more than than what he lets on. Also, when Yosef walks up to the car, he's um he's like hitting the car, which is a, a just a dick move. You don't touch a classic car, and he just walks up and he's immediately like hammering his hands on it, like ooh, it's nice as he's like checking it right. out. Right. Just again, immediately immediately hateable. Um, and so the next scene, uh, somebody breaks into the house and it's Joseph and all his boys. They beat the shit out of Wick and they kill his dog, which is just a terrible scene. You know, it, it definitely gets the fucking emotions going for everybody watching it. And my girlfriend had to oh, leave yeah, the room. They, it's, it's emotional. They, they beat the, they hit the dog hard and the dog doesn't die clearly because it, the scene ends with the dog on one side of the room. And then when it cuts back, you hear it whimpering. Yeah you, yeah. you hear it whimpering and then some time has passed and you can tell the dog has like crawled over to John wick and then died next to him. It is for an action movie. I texted Horrible. you and was like, I, I, I did not expect to be sad at this action movie. It's very emotional. So the next scene, Yosef takes this car to a chop shop and John Leguizamo is the guy that's running the chop shop. Yes. He walks up and he goes, I, where the fuck did you get this car? Because <laughs> he recognizes the car, right? Yes, this, immediately. This, this whole... is the first. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go this, ahead. this whole thing is, is I, first of all, I love John Leguizamo in this. He's really good. He's I really had not good. thought about him in so long. And then I saw him show up and I was like, hey, that's that's John Leguizamo. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I, this is one, something cool about this movie is it, again in most dumb action movies you get a dumb action set piece like immediately to get you interested this movie goes 30 minutes with no action but starting mm -hmm. with this scene and then kind of building up they spend a lot of time just talking about how scary he is so that, that by the time we get to the first action scene we understand that everyone is frightened of this guy and and this is kind of the beginning of that where he is freaked just to see the car in his in his shop they do a masterful job in building the tension to how bad of a motherfucker John Wick is, dude. So yes, everyone is frightened of him. The mob bosses, the yeah, top guys, almost, everybody is just so afraid. He fucking punches Joseph in the face because get this car the fuck out of here right now. So then the Russian mob boss calls John Leguizamo. Is like, I heard you struck my son. John Leguizamo's like, Yes, sir, I did. And he goes, may I ask why? 
John Leguizamo's like, I'm getting goosebumps just describing this, dude. <laughs> He's yeah, like, it's, it's really good. He goes, well, he stole John Wick's car and killed his dog. And then the guy just goes, oh. Hangs oh, up the phone, and dude. The phone. It's fantastic. And, uh, you see Wick now in the shower, and there's a fucking tattoo on the back that says, um, Fortis Fortuna at Vudig, which translates to Fortune Favors the Strong. <laughs> so you're like, ah. holy shit, dude. So well, anybody sun... with a back tattoo that serious is somebody you got to watch out for. So oh yeah, the fact dude. That he's got a giant back. Oh, also, it's kind of interspersed. Uh, a cool scene is is we get the backstory. I think this is before he's in the shower, but we kind of get the backstory with the mob boss. Um, and it's like he keeps cutting back and forth between the mob boss speaking and John Wick beating cement in his basement. Did I jump ahead too much? But it's, that's kind of the next thing. It's kind of going back and forth. So, the, so okay. Yosef goes to see his dad, who's the Russian mob boss, and the Russian mob boss beats the shit out of Yosef. He goes, "What the fuck?" And he's like, "Cause I stole a car and killed a puppy." And he's like, "It's not that you stole a car; it's whose car you stole." And he goes, "That car belonged." I was gonna say the mob boss is really great, and I, I don't know who, I don't know the actor. I don't even remember the character's name. Uh, but he's he's. Michael Nyquist is the actor. He plays Vigo, who's the mob boss in this. Vigo. Yeah. And actually, this is one of his last roles because he is no longer with us. Oh, that's very sad. Yeah, dude. He's he only was like 56 years old. I couldn't find out what he died of, but... Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, he's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, he's he's really... He's probably my favorite, like, villain because he's kind of the villain of the of the movie. Yosef is the mark, but he's kind of the villain. Um, but I think, I think telling, he, was, he was fantastic. He's telling the tale of Wick. He goes... So John Wick, they used to call uh, him Baba Yaga. He goes, the fucking boogeyman. He goes, well, not exactly. He's the guy you called to kill the fucking boogeyman. <laughs> he goes, <laughs> I once saw him kill a man in a bar or kill three men in a bar with a fucking pencil. <laughs> like, so he's just like talking this guy up, right? And he tells the other dude, like, get every man you have to go after this guy because he's going to be coming for us, you know? And this is where the anarchy starts. Yeah, it's great because he he knows he knows that his men don't really have a chance against John Wick, but he has to do it anyway. I think he tries to call him too. He tries to call John and be like, "Hey, let's not go crazy. Let's yeah. settle this, you know, whatever." And that doesn't work. And and, and he, you can tell he knows that he's going to send men to die, but he has to try because John Wick's going to going to come and try to kill his son and maybe him too. And and but he knows he's sending them to his death. So. These men break into his house and he, like you said, he's broken the concrete. He's gotten the guns out. He's put the suit back on and now he's yeah. back. And um, he just kills all these men in fucking awesome fashion, dude. And this is your first glimpse of, like you said, the action here. And it, it's fantastic, dude. Oh, so good. Yeah. And immediately, uh, again, my expectations were low because I was expecting the sort of, um, you know, shaky cam, bad action that we got so much of in the mid to late 2000s. I was expecting a Taken type action scene where it was just like shaky and you couldn't see anything, but we were supposed to assume that it's cool, whatever's happening. And all, like all the shots are just wide shots, perfectly Great. flat still. And yeah, they're so cool because you, you see everything. Um, and it's just so fun to watch the choreography, really all the fight. I don't, I don't know if there's a bad fight scene in any of these movies. They're all so well done and so fun to watch. 
And that's the thing too. Um, the the direction, the the camera angles, um, the cinematography is breathtaking in this. It reminds me mm-hmm. a lot of uh, of uh, Skyfall. Um, I was thinking the same thing, especially in two. I think two is very Skyfally. There's beautiful, vibrant colors all throughout, and it just pops real good on the screen. Um, great camera angles, like you said, everything's framed up nicely and and in a clear, precise shot that you can see all this going on. Um, it's fantastic. So Wick ends up taking out all these guys. And this is the first glimpse you see of a kind of underground assassin world. So the police show up. He answers the door. Evening, Jimmy. Jimmy's like, Evening, John. You, uh, he kind of peeks his head in the door. Working again? John's like, oh, I'm just sorting some stuff out. And then Jimmy's like, well... I'll let you be. He just leaves. It's great. (laughs) Then John Wick calls uh, somebody on a phone and he goes, yes, I'd like to make dinner reservations. Party of 12. He's killed 12 people in his house. And these dudes show up and they're rolling guys up in body bags and just mopping the shit out of stuff. (laughs) Throw them all in a van. And he, John gives him a gold coin, which is a common theme that you'll see throughout all these films. And the Mm -hmm. guy's like, good to have you back, John. So then the next scene, uh, Wick checks into the Continental Hotel, which is going to be basically the hub for this franchise going forward, um, which is a hotel in New yeah. York. It's kind of, it, yeah, it's kind of like everything. We find out there's Continentals all over the place in later movies, but everything mm-hmm. kind of operates out of this location for mm-hmm. the next for the next few movies. It's kind of all centered around it. Yeah, at this point in the movie, I was I was totally hooked the first time I watched it. Just the 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 I like the cops showed up because he just killed a bunch of people. Of course, the cops showed up. It's so fun to watch them just be like, this isn't our problem. You really, yeah. you have a good night, Mr. Wick. Uh, yeah. We're not going to get involved here. I mean, there was a dead body. They opened the door. The cop looks in and there was a dead body in a pool of blood on the floor. And he's just like, well, I'll let you get on with your business. Uh, and, and yeah, the, the cleaner, the cleaner that comes in, the first glimpse of that little world is was just super fun. Um, it is. Because again, I don't, one thing I don't like about action movies is nothing's ever explained Everything is just everything's just like oh they left a trail of bodies in their path and nobody said anything and that's yeah. insane. So yeah, it's yeah. very fun that they did that. The wig checks in and we get um our first glimpse of the concierge, which um I don't I don't know his name, but he plays an integral role in all three movies. It's uh his name is Sharon. He's basically the hotel manager. I think oh, wow, he's fantastic in the role. I think he's amazing. He's one of my favorite characters. I just called him the concierge the whole time. I had no idea his character had a name. Me too. But but he's great. He's 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 really he's such a perfect concierge, except you know, he can also provide you guns if you need them. Um so Wick's like, I need to talk to the manager. Okay, well he's in the um he's in the uh the bar or whatever. So he goes he's into in this club in the lounge. There you go. And we get our first glimpse of Winston here, who is basically runs the Continental. And Wick's telling him, you know, I need to find this guy. He fucking did this. And Winston's like, you know, if you're jumping back in, be careful because you're not going to get back out this time. You only got back. And they, they mentioned this, too. We forgot to bring this part up. Vigo mentions that the only way he got out of this is we gave him an impossible task. And this plays into the second one, by the way. Mm-hmm. We gave him an impossible task and he completed it. And that was the only way he was able to get out. And so Winston uh, kind of drops him, throws him a bone, tells him, you know, this is where uh, 
This is where um, Yosef sat at Yosef this club. It's Red O, right? Yeah, he. It's a. Uh, it's called the. Uh, I think it's called the Red Circle. Red Circle. Yeah, there you and go. Winston, and Winston's advice ends up being uh, ends up being quite prescient for the next movie. That once you dip your toe in, you can't really get out of of this world. This is a, this is also a cool scene. It's the first time we see um, you know sort of this underworld. I do have a question about the the Continental, and I don't know if this was ever really answered. But is the Continental a a real hotel? that hosts assassins or is it a hotel exclusively for assassins? It's a little murky in this one. In the, in the later ones, it becomes more obvious that it's just gangsters, but in this one, it's a little more murky. I think that changes over time. Cause I was a little confused. Yeah. I think maybe they don't establish that in this one, but ultimately it is uh, just a hub for assassins or gangsters or whoever the fuck is yeah. involved in this world. You know, this gets a lot more. Okay. Yeah, um, that's what I figured. Spectery as we get into like the second and third yeah. film because with the high table and things like that like um again it, i don't want to keep very... fucking mentioning bond but there's there's no going back at this point <laughs> but well it's also you know we're here we might as well it, it's it's also a movie like this is it's not as i kept calling this a spy movie and it's not a spy movie but it feels like a spy movie it it, it has that kind of slick feel to it that underworld espionage thrill you know feeling to it that it's impossible to say that bond didn't influence it because bond influenced all these movies it's been around for 60 years well depending on the bond movie too bond is either a spy or an assassin right for yeah for sure especially Daniel the craig, craig movies assassin. he was more assassin than bond or than, than yeah. spy yeah absolutely and like so yes depending on the movie bond is more sometimes more of an assassin sometimes more of a spy um, but still, like this movie, these, these John Wick movies, they have a lot of style to them. And especially in the second one, there's a whole chunk of the movie that feels like it could be a Bond movie. So it's okay, I think, to compare these because they're, it's obvious. Right. But what I meant by Spectre is as we get into the second one, which we will get to, and especially the third one, you see mm -hmm. that there's really levels to this thing. And there's like a CD. um, like hierarchy to this villainy as we go up. But um, I digress. By the way, are you drinking Blanton's? I am having a John, the John Wick approved Blanton's. Yeah. You son of a bitch. I can't really. I know. I know. Next time we're actually together, I'll, I'll bring it. But uh, <laughs> had to, it's funny. I just, I just picked it up a few weeks ago and uh, I saw John Wick drinking it and I was like, perfect. Blanton's. Yeah. Delicious. Um, so this brings us to this club scene. And, you know, John Wick, again, this is where I say that the facials from John or Keanu just comes in perfectly because he gets into this club and he makes eye contact with Yosef. And it's just great because he's just looking at him like, you motherfucker, I'm going to kill you right now. And Yosef is like a lot of people on the way in too. just to, to be clear. He kills like 15 people just to get to Yosef. It's it's uh, this is really where we see like full kind of our first, first full John Wick experience this this whole scene this whole club scene i think is my favorite scene in the movie it's it's a really good sequence it's fantastic he's killing everybody like trying to short range and then there's a great like score that's uh playing in the background which is it, it really complements the scene extraordinarily well um yeah and uh i guess keanu when he was shooting this had 104 degree fever in the flu so man what oh. a trooper to to, to to get this out and i guess 
all these movies, he basically did every single stunt. The only thing he didn't do was where like a car ran him over. Well, that's fair. Uh, you know, I was gonna I was gonna mention that because it, one of the things we were mentioning is the wide shots and the still camera. Um, that does not allow for a lot of stunt doubles. If you're gonna be in a wide shot, most of the time that has to be the actor because it's gonna be really obvious if it's not. So that makes sense. And hey, power to him because he was there's some pretty amazing, uh, pretty amazing stunts in, in this. And yeah, the music in this scene is fantastic. I mean, it's it's club music, but it's also very theatrical club music. So yeah. it works perfectly for him just making his way. Um, it's high octane. And it's very high octane. Yeah, it's it's really good. And one of my, my favorite parts of the scene is, or one of them is how he gets into the club. Half kill the, the guard. He just walks up behind him and he knows him. The guard knows John Wick. And John Wick is just like, why don't you take the night off? And he's like, fine. Let's, I don't want to get, I don't want to die here. Bye. That, that bodyguard is, uh, Famous professional wrestler Kevin Nash, by the way. I wouldn't know that. So little tidbit there for you. Yeah. Cool. Um, the Learn guy that's doing the score for, for these club scenes, though, is uh, La Castlevania. And two of these songs off the soundtrack that I'm going to recommend because it, it accompanies this action, season, action piece is uh, The Red Circle and Shots Fired. I downloaded both. Okay, I, I I really liked the score overall. So yeah, I'm gonna go through and listen to this. This is gonna go on my uh, my workout playlist. Um, yeah, but it's a fantastic scene for sure. Yosef ends up uh, escaping, sacrificing many men behind him, and then uh yeah yeah um. Man, what happens after that club scene, dude? I'm kind of I'm kind of at a loss for that. Oh God, what happens? I'm doing this all. I haven't seen these 400 times like the Bond films. Uh, <laughs> yeah, after the club scene. Um, oh my gosh, I don't remember. Hang on, we're gonna. Well, by we I mean you. We're gonna have to edit this part. I'm pausing. He goes, I think pretty sure this is the part where he goes back to the hotel and the, the chick tries to kill him and then Willem Dafoe shoots. Yeah, that that's what happens after that. I'm pretty sure. Oh, so she's Vigo, the they, Vigo ups the bounty. Then he goes to William Dafoe right. and says, will you take out John Wick? William Dafoe says, consider it done. But William Dafoe is actually backing up John Wick. Which we don't find out until the end. And I that was actually a good, uh, that was a good twist because... We know they're friends, but he readily accepts that that bounty, yeah. I and mean, he is totally fine with it. And right. um, yeah, the next time we see him, John Wick goes back to his hotel room at the Continental, where we find out there's no business that's supposed to be conducted there. They're not supposed to fight or shoot people or whatever. Um, and Willem Dafoe is outside his room with a sniper rifle, and then uh, a, a a lady assassin breaks into his room and attempts to kill him. Miss Perkins, I think is her name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she. She really hams it up <laughs> in this. Yeah, you think? I, I won't lie. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, she's, she's, I think she kind of is to go back to Bond. Uh, sometimes Bond girls kind of get into these films just because they're hot. And, and this yeah, chick, this would, this would be one of those, right? So she's in this just for this reason. Um, well, it's also like she, her character doesn't make a ton of sense. She's, She's barely in it. She attempts to kill right. John Wick, but doesn't. And then not right. to skip ahead, but she ends up basically getting killed 
off screen. Like there's no, there's no, there's no like climactic fight between her and John Wick. She just dies. Um, it's so it's a little, it's one of those things. that's kind of silly. Uh, maybe they just needed runtime. I don't know. I noticed that. I noticed that in the second and third movie more because this movie is really short. This is like an hour and 45 minutes or something. Um, these movies are basically just action scenes strung together. And so I, it became more and more apparent in the second and third that they were putting scenes in that kind of don't make a lot of sense, especially in the third. And it felt like they were doing it to pad the runtime so that they could just get to the next fight scene, which is fine because the fight scenes are so good that it's, I'm not mad about it. But I do wonder if they did that just so we could get a one-on-one -on -one fight with John Wick because his character makes just no sense. They do this too to kind of establish that there's rules on the Continental. No business can be conducted on Continental grounds. You cannot kill anybody on Continental grounds. You can't, you know, set up any hits, all those kinds of things. Nothing. So you're basically a safe haven in the in the Continental. Um, and she decides to forego those rules because the bounty has been upped. Um, but John Wick gets the better of her thanks to an assist from William Defoe. And then she ends up escaping uh, after one of John Wick's buddies is kind of watching her and she escapes and kills that guy. But uh, Wick gets a tip that from her that Vigo's money is at this church that's kind of as a, as, is a cover. So Wick goes there, fucks shit up, and uh, burns all of Vigo's money. And then we get this scene where Vigo shows up and Wick is just laying waste with everybody with a heavy machine gun. Um, and they capture John Wick, tie him up to a chair, and they're talking to him. And this is this is a point I was talking about with Matt. As far as the, the dialogue delivery, a lot of these actors are far better than Keanu. Yes. Uh, Vigo is, is out acting Keanu here. Keanu's like, you know, everybody's asking me if I'm back and I'm thinking I'm back. And I'm, I'm it's supposed to be this like impactful scene, but, but it's not, it just doesn't hit the way they want it to. I actually thought that was Keanu's best acting in the movie and it wasn't very good. So it's, yeah. it's, he's, he, he's not, I really like Keanu. He's a cool guy. Um, everyone loves him. He's incredibly generous. Oh, yeah. He totally sells this film. He's super dedicated to it. Apparently he went to great lengths to, uh, to prepare for this he trains guns he does like shooting competitions and stuff so everything looks realistic good for him um but yeah the acting is not it's not great and, and they're smart because the rest of this movie is just like really good character actors there's so many people in these movies that you've seen a million places even if you don't really know who they are you kind of recognize them but yeah everyone's out acting keanu but it helps the movie because there's good characters around him yeah keanu um for this movie trained eight hours a day every day for four months in Martial arts, uh, firearm training, and hand-to-hand, um, -hand, you know, hand-to-hand -hand combat. And so Good he definitely put in the work, dude, muscle. yeah, to become a oh, badass yeah, and, for this. And, he's, and he sells it like crazy. And all the stunts, I mean, everything is, all that is great. It's but he escapes and kills everybody except Vigo, and Vigo's like, shit, okay, if I give, <laughs> if I give my son up, are you going to let me go? He does. So Vigo tells him. Here's my where my son's at, you know, but they're gonna know you're coming. And Wick's like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> Wick it's, shows it's, up. It's worth pointing out too that Vigo hates his son. 
We haven't yeah. really mentioned that, but Vigo does not like his. There's no love lost here. He thinks he's a punk and useless, which in fairness, he is. He's just a dumb party boy who wants to like trade on his father's name and beat people up and get away with it. But Vigo does not seem that upset to do this. I don't think we've emphasized what a douchebag this guy is either. Like he shows up at the club and he's in a jacuzzi, like popping bottles. And he tells one of his older brothers, like, you know, hey, fucking get on in here. And his older brother's like, I got to babysit you because John Wick's going to be here. And the Vigo's like, or, or um, I'm sorry, not Vigo. Yosef. Um, Yosef's like, oh, are you scared of the boogeyman? And and the brother's like, you should be scared of him, you know? And then, like I said, he's running like a little bitch. He's demanding all the stuff. He's, he's yelling at his other dude, stop playing those fucking video games. And then that dude gets shot through the head. And you see Yosef just running again, but this time Wicks got him cornered. And then you hear Yosef go, it's just a fucking dog. And after that, Wick just shoots him in the head and says, all right, I don't care. And leaves. Yeah, no, no ceremony, no, no big dramatic scene, no speech, just walks no. up, popped him and left. Didn't care. He's like, this is just a job done, finished. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so at this point, uh, Wick kind of returns home. You think it's over, but it's not. They find out that William Defoe was helping him this entire time. So Vigo shows up at William Defoe's house. I think he cuts off all his fingers or something like that. Something like that. He's clearly beat up and, and tortured by the time by the time we cut to him. Uh, yeah. William Defoe, by the way, has done really well as an assassin. He has a really nice house. Absolutely. <laughs> killed a lot of people. And then they end up killing him. And so then Wick yeah. goes after Vigo at, at this uh, final climactic scene. Um, he kills all these dudes, and then they have a hand-to-hand -hand fight, and uh, Wick shoves a knife in him. And Vigo, it's kind of unceremonious at the end. A little bit, yeah. The end's a little tacked on. This is, that's probably one of the the rougher spots in the film. It feels like they didn't know how to end it. Like, they killed Yosef, then what? And it's it's basically just John Wick and Vigo sitting there, and Vigo's got a knife in his shoulder, I think, and he's yeah. just waiting to bleed out. And then John Wick, and this is one thing I kind of didn't like. The movie starts with, the movie starts with the end scene of the movie. So it starts with John Wick like crashing into a wall in a car, I think, stumbling out, and he's he's really beat up, and he kind of lays down, and it looks like he's about to die. And then the last scene of the movie cuts back to that, and it's after he's killed Vigo, and nothing happens. He just like gets up and walks into he's by a vet's office and just walks in and starts bandaging himself up it is a little weird it's a little clunky um it's not a super convincing ending and then he takes a pit bull home uh and and claims him as his own so 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 that's where the first movie ends so we transition now to john wick chapter two which kind of takes place a few weeks maybe after the events of the first one yeah, I think in number three, they say the, the the damage you've caused over the last few weeks, but two and three take place like back to back. So the way I read this was two takes place maybe a couple, two, three weeks after the first movie. So it's pretty quick. What do you think the body count was for John Wick chapter one, by the way? Oh, my God. OK, I mean, he killed well, he killed 12 people in the in the uh, kitchen, easily 20 in the club. I'm going to say eight more at that. Well, no, he killed like five people, 60, 70 at least, something like that. 
So the body count for John Wick Chapter One was 91 deaths. Oh my gosh! And that includes the puppy. Okay, yeah, you gotta you gotta count the puppy. That's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. By the way, John Wick. We didn't really talk much about the fights themselves because, um, I mean, it's hard to de- it's hard to describe a fight scene, obviously. Yeah. But John Wick, uh, basically is a video game and has a cheat code unlock perfect headshot every time like the dude can just look at you and perfect headshot which is incredibly difficult to do um and also uh, he does not mind kicking a man in the nuggets which he, he does quite often he has no compunction <laughs> about that whatsoever i mean if you want to nitpick just, these movies too in all three of these movies it's kind of got the rambo effect where these trained assassins can't hit the broad side of a fucking barn but John Wick yeah. has perfect headshots every single time. <laughs> um, I'm not nitpicking. I'm not nitpicking. These are so fun to watch. I don't care. Yeah. As a technical feat, they're really impressive. But yeah, you could nitpick these to death. So I watched all these through twice. And the first time I watched them, I was just enjoying what I was seeing. And I was kind of in awe of the choreography and stuff. But then the second time, you start to notice all of the, like, why is that assassin just laying there? Why is that assassin not moving? Why is that stuntman not throwing that guy could totally throw a punch it gets kind of obvious in some scenes but it's again it's fine because the choreography is so good you don't it doesn't bother me right starts out with a a chase through new york city and they show this old-timey chase scene like on the side of a a, a skyscraper which i thought was a nice like artistic touch and you just kind of hear you hear the chase going through what were you gonna say matt the old timey uh, video was a uh, Buster Keaton movie, and the Buster Keaton is a Buster Keaton was like an old timey uh, stuntman, considered one of the first stuntmen like in Hollywood, and still one of the best ever. He had all these crazy moves he he kind of pioneered. So uh, it's really quick, but I thought that was kind of a cool nod to all the stunts in this movie was to show a Buster Keaton movie. Yeah, I mean the, the director of that first movie did he direct this one too? He's directed all of them. Stahelski. Okay, he's directed all. He's, He's directed and he's doing four and five. Didn't know that was going to be a thing, but apparently it is. So yeah, he's no. he's doing them all. It's the same team. So this is where he cut his teeth in on, on these movies um, or, or doing stunts. That's where he bro- broke in. Mm-hmm. But Wick's chasing this guy uh, on a motorcycle, and he he gets the better end of him, and this leads him to a chop shop where his original car is at. And there's this Russian dude here who's apparently Vigo's brother. And he is hamming it up, dude. He is so over the he top. Is, he is absolutely hamming it up. It is so, I mean, I enjoy the performance, but it is it is so over the top. And, and you know, he's kind of retelling um, a lot of the stories about John Wick. Uh, I guess for audiences that have not seen the first film, uh, he's kind of expositioning the lore of wick and wick shows up and he's not really shooting anybody he's mostly doing hand-to-hand combat and hitting people with cars and shit like that um he really fucks up his car cool oh yeah there's some really cool little moments in this too when he first breaks into the um into the warehouse he like guy's smoking a cigarette and he like smacks the cigarette into his mouth and then punches him in the back of the head and you see the cigarette fly back out it's it's such a small thing but i was like damn that's a badass move there's a there's a lot of these um i don't know if i like this one more than the first i think i might like the first one a little bit more but there's the the choreography in this movie is already being turned up more and more we uh we get the pencil story again which 
is definitely um, something to pay attention to. Um, you know, so Wick goes through all these guys, goes into this Russian dude's office. They have a drink. He says, give me my fucking car. And he leaves. The car's fucked up. And Wick, Wick t- turns his car into John Leguizamo. John Leguizamo's like, well, Jesus Christ, John, your engine's falling out. And he's like, yeah, I can fix it. It'll be ready by like Christmas 2027 or something like that. Something but, um, like that, yeah. Real short it's completely from, destroyed. Yeah, a real short scene from him, which I wish you would have got a little more of him because I enjoyed his character in this, but oh well. Uh... So then John Wick gets a knock on the door. And this is Santino D'Antonio. Santino D'Antonio has to be the most Italian mobster name they could possibly have thought of. It is such a such an obviously stereotypical Italian mobster name. I kind of loved it. The most stereotypical Italian name since Tony Soprano. For sh- Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> but, uh... He goes in and he tells Wick, I got a marker. You owe me. You can't turn down a marker. This is a part that you and I talked about. Wick tells Mm -hmm. him, no, I can't do it. Find someone else. He pleads with them to take the marker. He says no. So then Santino blows up his house. Yes. So initially what he's asking Wick to do is not being unreasonable, right? We're in agreement there. Oh, no, not at all. I mean, it, it, we find out later that a marker is basically a blood oath. If somebody, if you have a marker for somebody else, they owe you their life and they can cash in on a favor and it can be pretty much anything and you can't say no. You're that- It's literally a blood oath. You, you, you print your thumb and put your thumbprint into this deal and it can only be completed when the other dude does a task and hits his thumb on there. And then it's completed. Yeah, it's it's literally a blood oath. So Santino comes to him and says, I have a job for you. Um, and even says to him something like, you know, I know you were retired. And had you stayed retired, I would have respected that. And I would not be here. But you've been tearing up the city for the last two weeks, murdering 91 people, apparently. And uh, because of that, I'm you've come back to this life. I'm going to call in my favor that you owe me. Which is, in this world, a perfectly reasonable thing to do like john wick is basically his own worst enemy in this movie because he's constantly now doing things that make his own life worse and we find out that santino helped wick complete the impossible task which helped him get out in the first place so yeah we, it's we never like... find out what that is which is fine I, you don't this is one of those things where it's like you don't need to know everything but santino got that marker because he was the one that helped john wick complete that task Right. And so Wick, um, he ends up going to the Continental and talking to Winston. Winston's having a meeting with a dude who makes all those gold coins. And then Wick's like, hey, man, you know, he's asking me to do this. And Winston's like, well, I mean, you dove back into this world, you know. So, you know, there are two rules that cannot be broken. No blood spilled on Continental grounds and a marker cannot be undone. So... He goes, after you complete the marker, I don't care what you do. Kill the guy. Do whatever you want to do. And so, uh, you know, Wick meets him at a museum. And this is where I, where I talk about Keanu's facials. He's looking at Santino 
and you just see everything you need to see on his face, you know? Mm-hmm. And Santino's like... And, and Santino mentions that. He says, like, yeah. I can see that look in your eye. I, he's like, this is the John Wick that I want. This is the John Wick that I that I came to. to he he tells him... For me, that angry one. He tells him, you're thinking, can you get to me in time? You're, you're counting exits. You're counting men. <laughs> he's like... Uh, it's fucking great. Yeah. Right? He, what, what Santino wants him to do is go to Italy and take out his sister because his sister is next in line for um, a seat at the high table. And Santino she has wants a seat at the seat. high table. Or she has a seat, right? Yes. Yeah. Santino wants that seat. Yeah, so this is this is the movie where I, I like the lore, I like the world building, but I'm immediately starting to have some questions um again it doesn't it doesn't like the framework doesn't really matter but i would like them to maybe explain a little bit more about what the high table is like we get the concept of it it's a it's they're mobsters or whatever and then we find out more in the next movie that kind of makes it make a little bit less sense the rules get a little murky um but but yeah the 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 general framework of it is is fine are they mobsters to get to the next action scene are they assassins so that was the question that I had that I can't figure out, are all these people assassins or are they monsters? The way I originally took it was that the high table was mobsters and the assassins work for them. But now I'm wondering if it's just a league of assassins. I don't know. That's the thing. It's very unclear. Also, we'll see more later on in this movie and then more in three, but there's a lot of assassins just in New York City, but there's a lot of assassins all over the place. They kind of like, go a like, bit crazy with <laughs> an unreasonable amount of assassins, just com- just everywhere. So yeah, I don't really know. Like again, the framework isn't super important, but I don't know if the high table. I thought they were mobsters, but I maybe they're just maybe this is all just a league of assassins. I have no idea. And if they are just all assassins, that's a lot of people that must be getting killed because that's a lot of assassins they have to keep employed. So Wick goes to Italy, and I like again everything is like a cover for for what he wants to do. So he goes, and he wants to do a wine tasting. But really, what it is is he's picking out guns, and I, I love it, dude. He's part. like, you know, this is my favorite uh, part of this. <laughs> he goes, he's like, oh, you know, I want something a little more robust. And uh, what do we have for dessert? And like the guys just showing him all these guns, dude. It's fucking great. And then um, he's being fitted for a suit. He's like. Well, Mr. Wick, will this be a daytime or nighttime event? He's like, nighttime. Uh, will this be this, this, or this? And he's like, tactical. <laughs> and then there's a sweatshop, which is like a cover for like him getting keys and maps to shit. Yeah. It's really fucking cool, dude. There's this whole underground system to get him set up for what he needs to do. It's basically a cue scene. This is a cue scene. This is Bond it's a scene. getting out. Spot on. It's a cue scene. This this is Bond getting outfitted for his mission. John Wick, I, I, this is this, this, um, this part of the movie is my favorite. All the Italy stuff. It feels so spy-y. It feels so Bondy, which for me yeah. checks all my boxes. Um, right. I love the locations. We finally see another continental. There's a continental Rome, and I love the scene when he walks in. I forget the manager's name, but he's basically the Italian Winston. He even kind of looks like Winston. Yeah. Um, and he sits him down, and he's like, "So you're here on business?" He's like, "Yes." He's like, "Okay, just have to ask you one question: Are you here for the Pope?" He's like, no, I'm not here for the Pope. It's like, okay, that's fine. Then. As long as you're you not know here what else? For the Pope. I, 
I found interesting was the concierge is an African-American woman and she's kind of got the same accent as the concierge in New York. So I wonder if that's a oh, conscious yeah, decision. Right. I'd have to be because you're, you're right. Now that I think about it. But yeah, that's great. Yeah. I love um, it. Again, it's establishing this really fun, this really fun world that, that exists. I want to go to these clubs too. And you mentioned this as well. We're like, there's a jacuzzi in the back. Cause there was one in part one. <laughs> now there's yep. one. There's like a grotto here in the back and you've got, um, Santino's uh, sister uh, who goes in the back and she's like, I'm going to freshen up and she's freshening up and, and wick. First of all, I love how they show wick going through the tunnels and he's setting up guns in the tunnels before he even goes out. Yeah. I, I um, missed that the first time. I, I didn't pick up on that until you mentioned it. And then I watched the movie again and I, and I, and I noticed it. And that is a, a nice little touch. He's basically in these like very, very old catacombs where they're hosting some sort of party. I think they said it's her coronation. So she's, she's just now ascending to the high table. And I think they are mobsters because she's doing mobstery things. Like she, um, when she's in this room, she's in like, she's in the catacomb that they've converted into her, you know, luxury room. And she yeah. meets with a, another guy and he talks about her taking territories away from him. Okay. Um, so I think they are, uh, I'm going to go with gangsters. I'm going to go with they are gangsters and the assassins work for them. Not sure, but that's my guess. Um, and then, yeah, she retreats into this old room that they've stuck a giant hot tub in the middle of. That's her makeup room. It's sort of like, it's like something Cleopatra would have. So it's very goofy, yeah. but I, yeah. obviously I love it. It is goofy. And then, you know, Wick's there to take her out, obviously. And she strips down. And, and walks into the, um, the little hot tub, so to speak, and slits her fucking wrist. And this scene is very uncomfortable to watch. It's You're very, absolutely very right. disturbing. Yeah, yeah, it's really disturbing. It's kind of um like gothic horror vibe. Like the pool just, it's very dark. It's very dimly lit. It looks like a medieval torture chamber pretty much. And then she's just filling the pool with her own blood as she drifts away. And then John Wick, just for good measure, shoots her in the head. Like just to make sure, I guess, but it is a very like they hold on that scene, and you can see the blood just fill the pool. It really sticks with you. It's probably just to prove that you know he he did the job. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure, he wanted to be able to say, with no uncertainty, she's dead. I pulled the trigger. Whatever happened before that was was her. But you know, for these um these movies are they're they're violent, obviously, but they're not super gory. You get some blood spatter, but most of it I think is CGI blood spatter, so it's yeah. not the most convincing. So they have like kind woman... of yeah very much so you see a lot of violence but you don't see a ton of gore so yeah then to right. see a woman just like fill a pool with blood was something else uh as he's leaving the club cassian played by common who i think does a fantastic job in this he's great he, she's john really he's good. like oh yeah john you working again john's like yeah cassian goes good night Wick's like, I'm afraid so. And then he's just, he knows right then and there, like, this is what's happened. And there's a great fucking shootout again in this club. Um, and it manages to be different from the first film, which, which you know, they, I think there's a lot of notes that are kind of done over again in this film, but they're done better. And, and there's enough of a different spin on it that you can appreciate the originality of it. Yeah, it's the same. I was going to mention this. It's the it's the same like beats. It's the same stuff from the first one. Set up in his house, you know, go out, go on the adventure, go to the Continental. We get a club scene again. 
Um, but it's different enough. I think different locations definitely help. Um, they're in a really cool spot. They're in these, in these like ancient catacombs. Um, they're in Italy, not just keeping it to New York. So it's all, and it, the budget is clearly increased. The choreography yeah. is better. It's more interesting. Um, so yeah, similar beats, but different enough. Uh, so he goes through this huge gun battle through the catacombs where he's just blowing fools away again. Um, Oh, we, we, we forgot to make mention, too, of uh, Ruby Rose's character in this, who's a mute. Yes. And she's doing, like, sign language and shit. And she's kind of like um, uh, Santino's, like, bodyguard, like, personal bodyguard. Well, anyhow, yeah. Wick, Wick gets away, but he gets into this battle with Cassian, and they're just going hell to leather, fighting each other. They're rolling down sets of stairs over and over again. And uh, right when you think Cassian's going to get the upper hand, Wick puts his hand on the steps of the continental and the manager comes out and goes gentlemen no i'm sorry not the hand he uh they break through the glass i'm i'm, I'm thinking the third they one fly through the window yeah the third one is the where they put their hand on the glass they they fly through the window and everybody's just like standing around them this is another thing that i think sets this movie apart from the first cat uh cassian is that common's name correct yeah Con yeah he's like he's pretty much John Wick's equal. Like he can go toe to toe with him and give him a really good fight. And we didn't Absolutely. get that in the first. It was mostly just John Wick dispatching people. There's one thing in that scene that I don't love and that's his bulletproof suit. He has a fully bulletproof suit, not just a Kevlar suit. It is a Batman's cape level protection. <laughs> Cassian does too just... though, to be fair. Oh, does he? Okay, I didn't know. Yeah, cause that, they're both but, shooting yeah. each other in the club. Okay. Oh yeah, you're right. They both shot each other. Yeah. All right. Then that's that's fine. There's one scene where he literally takes his jack hold against his face like Batman's cape and runs into machine gun fire. And I was like, eh, okay, that's fine. It's fine. I, I get it. We had to get you from point A to point B, so give him a bulletproof suit. But it the was gadgetry is not silly. like it's not established though, like a Bond film, right? Like the gadgetry. No. And so when you have yeah, it just set have up that world. I that's the thing if you don't set it up like okay a bulletproof suit they make bulletproof suits that's a thing typically they'll take one maybe two bullets and then they don't work anymore um but john wick it can just fully run into machine gun fire with his little coat over his face again it's it's fine they and they they barely use it in number three it's Not in number that. three i think he gets shot once or twice in the bulletproof suit usually if you're shot with a bulletproof vest it will stop the penetration, but it will knock the fucking wind out of you. Maybe break a couple of ribs or something like that. You'll mm -hmm. be massively bruised. And it puts you down still, you know what I mean? Especially oh, totally. if it's like a yeah, 44 still... or something like that. Oh, yeah, especially if it's full-on machine gun fire that you're running into. Like, again, these are not the most realistic movies, so it's not the biggest deal in the world. It was just one thing that I thought... They got away with this in the first movie where they didn't need to have him have a bulletproof suit. So it's a yeah. little silly to give him one in this one. That's a small nitpick. It's great, though, when the manager comes down and says, you're on continental grounds. Maybe you two should go visit the bar and cool down. And Cassian's like, bourbon? Wick's like, yeah. And then I think it was gin for Cassian. And they're just sitting at the yeah. bar having a casual drink. And Wick's like, I had a marker. I had no choice. Cassian's like, you had no choice. I understand. And Wick's like, so does this... Does this make us good? And Cassian's like, not even a little bit. <laughs> He's nope. like, nope, I'm going to kill you. He goes, I'll make it uh, painless, but you're going to get yours, you know, basically. 
And so uh, uh, I think from this point, Wick gets a text message that, oh, no, he gets a call from Santino. And Santino's like, oh, thanks for killing her, but what kind of brother would I be if I didn't avenge my sister's death? And then Wick hangs up on him. Oh, that's so right. now, yeah, this at this point, you do realize that he was fucked no matter what, because now Santino puts a hit on Wick. And this is where we start to see a glimpse of how many assassins are in New York. <laughs> Spoiler alert, a lot. Like yeah. half, of, half of New Yorkers apparently are an assassin because the second he gets back, they, they basically the Continental is able to secure him transportation like out of the hotel back to New York. But once he gets back on New York soil, he's fair game. And immediately we get like a montage of five or six different assassins trying to trying to kill him. And it, uh, two of the assassins in the subway, he kills with a pencil. We finally see John Wick kill somebody with a pencil. Which is great. All so these kills are great. Uh, he kills oh, like this really huge good, yeah. sumo dude. He kills a chick. Uh, he kills oh God, like he three guys. Dude by like, he kills the sumo dude by, uh, he shoots him multiple times and then finally shoots him in the head, but then has to shoot him in the head again. Like it's, it's just, that one goes on and on and on. It's crazy. Yeah. The pencil kills are, are, are awesome. Yeah. And then I love That's how Cassian, they're like in a mall and Cassian's up on the top level and wicks down on the bottom level. And they're like, Hiding their guns underneath their coats and they're just like pew, 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 <laughs> shooting each other. <laughs> like, fully in public. Fully it's in a, public. This, this is a theme that goes through these next two movies where like shit happens right in public and nobody really reacts. I mean, I know New Yorkers are typically pretty jaded, but are they this jaded that they would see just straight up murder happening and be like, <laughs> oh, this is none of my business, man. Just keep it moving. Dude. Right? I don't know. I don't know. It's again, it's fine. It's not the point of these movies, so it's it's okay. But it, it yeah, I did notice that that and it kind of happens increasingly, uh, more and more in the third too. There's full on murders like just in front of people. They're not even trying to hide it, and no. uh, nobody nobody seems to care. They end up fighting on a uh, Cassian and Wick end up knife fighting on the subway, and like nobody really reacts to that either. Again, yeah, people just looking at them. I think there's one scene when the when the subway finally stops and it's over, people kind of run off, so that's something. But yeah. yeah, still very little reaction from the crowd. Wick shoves a knife through Cassian's like artery and tells him, uh, don't take that knife out and you'll live. Um, consider this mercy or whatever, and leaves him on the train. And that's pretty much the end of Cassian because we do not see him in the third film. I was hoping he'd show up in the third. And I mean, I don't know, maybe he'll show up in the fourth or the fifth because presumably he's still alive and very pissed off. Well, I mean, I guess it right. makes sense he doesn't show up in the third because the third takes place right after the second. And he right. did have a knife in his heart, so it's going to take him a little bit of time to recover from that, I would imagine. But he is alive. He's out there. Absolutely. So this brings us to uh, our third, or, or I shouldn't say our third, Basically, the final act of the film where John is now on the trail of Santino. And yes. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm missing a big fucking part of this movie. Right. Yeah, he goes to see the battle. John's fucked up. He goes to a bum, throws one of the gold coins into the thing, says, take me to him. The bums kind of looks at him. And he goes, hey, man, have you guys ever seen? Boom, shoots these two guys in the head. And then he takes Wick to Morpheus, 
who um yeah obviously Lawrence Fishburne uh they're reunited from the Matrix films and uh, uh he's uh the leader of the foundry which is kind of like I don't know the poor man's version of the Continental I guess so yeah the way I figured it was he leads uh, his crew is dis- you know they're also assassins I suppose but they disguise themselves as bums on the street. So he has eyes all over the all over the city. And also we find out later on, I think, that he uses carrier pigeons and homing pigeons to traffic in messages that cannot be tracked. So he's kind of a he's kind of an information guy. It's he very murky what the fuck this is though, right? You know what? It is. And 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 once again, the details are not the point. The point is the fun action scenes. But what this whole thing actually is, is really murky. Like, we know John Wick's an assassin. We know there's gangsters because we meet Vigo. And presumably Santino's a gangster because he has the most stereotypical gangster name ever. But it's, <laughs> it is kind of murky what everybody does. It's really not clear. Yeah. So they offer to help Wick. They basically give him, they give him one handgun with seven rounds. And then there's this great scene at the end where it takes place in the museum Wick is killing fools and just taking their guns and then killing the next guy and taking his gun and killing the next guy. They go through all these like reflective, um, reflect reflective, like glass art pieces where, um, it's very stylistically done. The action scenes. yeah. Yeah. Again, are fantastic. He has this confrontation with, with Ruby Rose where he ends up killing her. Um, and then he chases down Santino to the Continental. And Santino's yeah. eating and a piece of steak there. Go and ahead. kind of goading him. Like, yeah, yeah, he's goading him. He's saying, like, he's Santino has realized that John Wick is going to kill him. Um, all of his people have been taken out. Uh, one thing I, I to go back to the, um, the museum really quick that I like is they do this again in the next movie that John Wick's, when John Wick starts an action scene, either with no gun or with a small amount of ammunition. And this is sort of that moment too, where he gets those seven shots, but he fires his seven shots in like two seconds. Like he's out of bullets immediately and then has to work his way up to getting in a, a guns as he goes along. This is a little thing, but I, but I love it. So they end up, yeah, they end up in the continental and, and Santino's kind of goading him saying like, you know, have you seen the menu here? A man could live here for years and not eat the same thing twice. And then, uh, um, uh, what's his name? Winston kind of walks Pleading up to John, with John to like, not do it. He's like, hey, put the gun, Jonathan, calls him Jonathan, put the gun down, walk away, don't break the rules. And then Wick, again, ruining his own life, just blows him away right in the head. <laughs> and then Winston looks at him and says, Jonathan, what have you done? Well, <laughs> again, like, yeah. it's a point we brought up when we were talking off air. And that's that everything Wick does is all based on his emotions. He does not think things through. Right. It, it, he's a very emotional cat. And each one of these decisions he makes leads him further down the path to his own demise, but he keeps escaping it. Um, he kills Santino. Yeah, he doesn't think he doesn't think more than one step ahead. He's like, he's like, yeah, the, his dog gets killed. He could have just gone and whacked Yosef and probably been done with it, but he had to take down a whole organization while he was there. And then he got dragged back in, and he refuses to get dragged back in. But then he does. But then he has to kill a mob boss, and it's just, it's just spirals like he could have been he could have ended the whole thing obviously that wouldn't make for a good third movie but yeah he's his own worst enemy in this in these movies yeah so 
He goes back to his burnt down house. The concierge grabs him. He has a meeting with Winston. Winston tells him, the only reason you're not dead right now is because I deemed it so. He snaps his fingers and everybody in this like quad in New York stops and they're all looking at Wick. There's like and he's there's like snaps his fingers. Yeah. yeah, dude. Yeah. And they all disperse. He tells Wick you have one hour. And Wick is running away. And uh you know, he they get the text excommunicado in you know one hour. Oh, by the way. Um, there's like an old timey switchboard operator system that takes place for all these hits. And every single chick is like a um, suicide girl. They're all tatted up. They're they're like pierced up and all that. Uh, and then even the dudes yeah, that are look. there. Yeah. It's a very it, specific look. It's a very, right. it's somewhere, yeah, it's somewhere between like biker and 1950s. It's really, it's really interesting. Yeah. And then Wick is running away. And that's how the second film ends. And so uh, we'll jump right into the third one, which is John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum, which means ready for war, which is awesome. <laughs> that is accurate. This whole movie is ready for war. Uh, what's your guess on the body count for John Wick Chapter 2? Oh, my gosh. Well, if the first one was 91 or whatever it was, there had to have been more people killed in this. Uh, I mean, just that assassin scene alone, he was taking out so many people. I'm going to say 103. 116. Okay. I got the body counts for all three of these. (laughs) Okay. By the way, I don't remember which, I don't remember which movie it was in, but there was one of the movies. It might've been two where he says to somebody, I'm not that guy that I used to be anymore. And I'm like, you just murdered 230 people in these, in these two movies. Like you're clearly that person still. It's just such a silly, such a silly sentiment. hundred percent. Okay. So he really racked, he really racked up the body count in that one. Uh, this is what I'll say about John Wick Chapter 3. It is the most different of the first two. Um, it's not following the same beats. There's a lot more happening in this. Mm-hmm. Would, would you agree with that? It's, it's a, Oh, for sure. The first two movies are basically the same movie, just with different different beats, uh, you know, or same beats, different different specifics, you know, different fight scenes, but um, they, they copy a lot from each other. And uh, yeah. John Wick 3 is totally different, um, kind of by necessity. I mean, it picks up right after two ends. He's excommunicado, so he has no access to the Continental or anything like that, even though that ends up not really mattering. He still goes to another Continental. He still gets to talk to people and uses coins and all that stuff. So he's excommunicado, but it doesn't seem to affect him whatsoever. Um, but he's basically put himself in the in the worst of worst positions where every assassin in the world is after him. The bounty on him is like, 14 million dollars or something crazy um but it is completely different yeah it's it we we learn a lot more about his past um we get a lot more locations we meet other people yeah totally different which i I like i don't know i I don't know how i'm gonna rank these because i i'm still kind of digesting them all but i really enjoy this one i think it's great it's very silly it's too long we've talked about this before modern movies too long we need to rehire editors this movie does not need to be two hours and 47 minutes or whatever it is um but it is fun. I think my rankings will surprise you. Okay. But so the the first, like, I would say the first act of this movie is the hour that Wick has left. Um, and he, you know, he goes to this public library. He asks for a specific book. 
Um, he also sends his dog to the concierge um, to get him kind of safe haven. And, uh, you know, he's a, uh, he looks up this book and the book has this like cross that he's looking for and a picture of his wife. And then there's this, like seven foot Russian dude that's in there. And it's like, this guy literally looks like Jaws. 100%. He goes, you're, you're excommunicado. Like, I, saw him, I was like, it's Jaws. Cool. And he's we're like, really who's going to know? Money. Yeah. The time's not up yet, but who's going to know? And Wick, the first kill in this movie is this guy. And holy shit, dude. It really sets a tone for a lot of these kills in this movie. A lot of the he, kills in this movie are really brutal. And this one is uncomfortable to watch and brutal. He beats him to death with a book. And in the and and right before he kills him, he gets the book in his jaw. This is what made me squirm. He curb stomps him the with the book. Yeah, he curb stomps him with a book. He he's beating the shit out of him with the book. He gets him, like you said, to bite down on the book. He puts it on the table, and then he just hammer fists in the back of his head until the book basically goes through his jaw, dude, and, and fucking kills oh. him right then and there. there. There's there's even a scene where he first um where he first like beats his jaw with the book before he right before he curb stomps him, where you can see his jaw is like dislocated, and it, it's just the most uncomfortable thing to watch. Absolutely. Then there's Pretty a scene in like a a horse barn. You know, Wick's riding a horse. Uh, he gets kind of banged up, and he goes to the doctor. And the doctor is like, I can't take you. And Wick's like, I still got time. Five minutes. The doctor's stitching him up. And then right when the last stitch is about to be pulled, uh, the clock strikes uh, the hour. And Wick ends up pulling the last stitch himself. And the doctor's like, they're never going to – they're going to know that I showed you where that uh, – painkiller is so shoot me right here and shoot me right there and wick shoots him twice and uh then he ends up leaving and then uh from there um i think this is where he meets the uh the russian people correct this is where he when he leaves there i think uh, the next thing he gets himself into is my favorite action scene in the whole movie so we have oh that's right the fucking you're absolutely right it's the um, knife throwing scene where he's in like a museum. By the way, for the first like 30 or 40 minutes of this movie, John Wick does not have a gun like at all. There's actually yeah. a couple scenes where he tries to get a gun and it gets like shot away from him or kicked away from him. And it's a really right. fun detail. So all the action for the first 30 minutes is hand to hand or knives or anything he can get his hands on. Um, so as soon as he leaves the doctor, I think that's when he gets into this. Like he gets chased by people. I don't know who they are. They're some sort of Asian martial arts fighters right that's going to be a theme for the movie and he ends up in what i think is some type of museum storage and he finds um my favorite detail in this is he finds like a cowboy gun a, a piece a, a colt 45 and he tries to put you know old ammunition in it and the ammunition doesn't fit and i can't figure out if either the gun was like assembled wrong or if he had to just i don't know what exactly he's doing but he basically has to piece together four cowboy guns to get the ammunition to fit it takes him like five minutes. The people burst into the room and it's all to get one shot off. And as usual, he gets a perfect headshot, one perfect headshot. And then it's nothing but hand-to-hand combat after that. And it was such an unnecessary detail, but it was so, so great. It's so great though. They're breaking these glasses and they're throwing knives at each other this entire time. And Wick, well, at one point, throws like five ninja stars into this dude. He's throwing axes. He's throwing swords. 
Then it ends with him throwing an axe from way across the room and hitting a guy right in the head, dude. Oh god, that whole scene that this this scene goes on for like ten minutes. It's so long and it's nothing but hand to hand and knife throwing, the most brutal knife throwing scene I've ever seen. And then yeah, the end where he just melees this hatchet from across the room straight into this guy's head is is great. This movie's this movie is brutal. Definitely the most brutal of the three. Absolutely. Um then I think he goes to the uh, to the to the ballet. Right, and this is where we get a little bit of background with Wick. So we find out that Wick is actually Russian, and this it's like the Russian mob or whatever. Belarusian. He's from Belarus. We find out his name is Jordansky or something like that. Yeah, Wickishoff or something like something. And and he was a and and uh, he goes and sees Angelica Houston, who I did not yeah. recognize at first, but it's Angelica Houston. Morticia uh, Adams herself. Absolutely. And uh, uh, we, we find we, we, we don't get again. I like that we don't get the whole story. There's not some exposition dump, but yeah. we find out that he was he was an orphan taken in presumably by her. And she trains. She We find out she's sort of training girls to be ballerinas. We get a very gross scene of a ballerina peeling her toenail off, which feels unnecessary, but adds to the to the vibe. Um, and then we sort of see boys training. I think they're training Sambo. The Spectre training mar- scene. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Literally a specter training scene. No, I was going to mention this. It is a specter training scene. I can't help it, dude. Yeah, we just walk through like like rooms, and they're like, "Does this ring a bell to you, training your sambo?" It's like, oh yeah, it's a specter training scene. (laughs) I couldn't help it, dude. It's what it is. It's it's Uh, totally what it is. It's but it's cool. It's 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 cool. Again, it's a nice touch. So he gets a ticket now to go to. Casablanca in the Middle East. Yeah, um, he, he can he can cash he the cross we find out is uh, they don't explain it but it's I guess he gets one favor from her. It's basically like a marker. It's a marker. It's the same thing as a marker. And uh she says, you know, the high table once you dead, I can be killed just for talking to you. And then he says some things and she's like, "Okay, that's fine. Send him to send him to Casablanca." takes the thing and they brand his back. Like that's the marker for your ticket has been punched. Um, yeah. A lot of branding in this movie, several, he gets branded several times. Well then um, at this point we get the, uh, the high table sends the adjudicator to the continental. And she tells Winston, you know, basically you fucked up. You shouldn't have let Wick uh, get away with this. You have one week to get your affairs in order at which time your replacement will be named. And uh, tells her, you know, tells him to fuck off. And then she, he goes to the the foundry and tells him the same thing. Says, "We'll be back in one week. Get your, you know, get your affairs in order." This chick is very unlikable. Um, she will yeah. probably be in the fourth and fifth, and I hope they build up uh, a grand finale to her being brutally murdered. Yeah, she's incredibly. Yes, I, I too would like to see her brutally murdered. She's incredibly yes. unlikable and uh, in a really uncomfortable way. She's awkward. She's and, supposed to be, though. I mean, that's how they yeah, write it's, the character. Oh, it's intentional. It's all done very intentionally. Oh, yeah. You, you immediately hate her. Yeah. And you don't even really know why. Because, again, what she is saying is totally right. They all went against this high table. We're going to assume they're mobsters who control all the other mobs. And it's like, yeah. They didn't do their job. She's not wrong, and yet we still hate you. 
The, the, the part that makes me question if these are mobsters is, and we'll get to this point in the middle of the desert, but that's the part that makes me question if these are mobsters, but we'll, we'll, I have we'll get there. Of, I have a lot of questions about the middle of the desert. It so really we'll get- expands the lore a lot more when we get to that point, doesn't it? I don't know what happens in that scene, but yeah, we'll, okay. we'll get there. That's a weird, so, that's a weird. Uh, she also goes to like a sushi bar and this is Mark DeCostas who's playing this role, who's a famous martial artist. Um, and most of his goons are p- like four dudes who are in the raid, the raid one and the raid two, which Matt and I will be going down that road and probably Lewis. I think Lewis has seen both raids. We were okay. going to go down that road, dude, in the future. You, you think sure. this movie has great fight choreography? Holy shit. You've seen nothing, dude. Okay. <laughs> so I'm, ex- I'm excited. I'm yeah. excited then. Sounds great. And it's an Indonesian film, but they, they do dub it for English. So mm. um, it, it, it's fantastic, dude. But we'll, we'll get there. But I mean, um, I mean. she basically um, recruits Mark DeCostas and his goons to uh, take out John Wick. So John Wick goes to the Middle East and he has a marker. And this marker is for Holly Berry, a.k.a. Jinx. I'm just gonna call her Jinx. She's Jinx, 100. It's but it's she Jinx. is far better in this role uh, than she was. She's actually Sophia in this film. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, she's she's uh she's good. She's not. She's good. You know, I, I remember seeing the marketing for this film, um, which because it only came out a couple of years ago, and they really hyped up the fact that Halle Berry was in the movie, and she's really only in it for like. 20 minutes 25 minutes it's pretty yeah. short she she really only has one major scene he he goes there to the to the casablanca continental um and halle berry is management which i like because so far the other two managers we've seen have been elderly white men hashtag diversity yeah so halle berry is halle, yeah so halle berry is management now and he asks her to take him to her old boss we don't know who this is they have some words back and forth. We find out John Wick got the marker because he hid her daughter, got her daughter yeah. out of a bad situation and, and sort of hid her away. Um, and then, you know, back and forth, back and forth. There's some cute German shepherds. And we go to her old boss, who is a guy who runs the facility where all the coins are smelted. I don't want to understate, though, um, real quick, because the last time we talked about Holly Berry which was two podcasts ago. She was fucking terrible in that role as Jinx. Um, You know, the first thing is that woman does not age. I mean, she looks exactly the same, dude. Literally. Uh, That was still gorgeous. 20 years ago. And she looks, if anything better, but she was terrible in that role with Jinx. I thought she was very good in this and, and she really displayed great emotion and, um, her feelings about not being able to see her daughter and her daughter being protected. And, and um, maybe we see that expanded upon in the fourth and fifth movies. Uh, I don't know. I'm hoping I'm, I'm also hoping that like some of these characters that we we've enjoyed through these first mm-hmm. few movies do make a reappearance like John Leguizamo's character um, and things like that, that we don't see again in the third one, but I'm hoping mm-hmm. Ollie Berry returns in the fourth or fifth because I liked her character and I liked I liked um, the backstory behind how Wick got the marker with her, and I want to see where that goes. You know what I mean? 
Um, oh, I totally agree. Yeah, I'm making light of the scene because it's a, the details of the scene are murky, but she's great in it. And she's yeah. we get an action scene with her later. She's really good with all the action stuff. Apparently, oh, she also trained her butt off for this. Um, yeah, and her acting. Halle Berry is a good actress. Oh, did she? Wow. Good. She got I mean, fucked that's up dedication. filming that Bond movie, too. So it's like, goddamn. Yeah. She really puts I mean, herself out there, man. And in fairness, Die Another Day, we're back on Bond, but Die Another Day was like a terrible movie with a terrible script and a terrible yes. director. Yes. So she had nothing to do in that. I feel like she gets too much heat for that movie because at the time she was an Academy Award winner. So the, she had more like room to fall. But in this, she's really excellent. I was happy to see her again. I hadn't seen Halle Berry in something in a long time. Yeah, absolutely, dude. I, I couldn't agree more. But he, yeah, as you said, go ahead and take us through where she goes to see her old boss. So, she, so we go to see her old boss, and they're in a, they're in Casablanca. They're clearly in a very old building that is where they smelt the coins. And he even kind of points out in one scene, um, he's tracked down the first coin ever made there and the first marker ever made, and he kind of has them displayed. John Wick asks him to send him, send John to the the one who sits above the high table and uh the the boss i don't know his name but he this is where it really talking. starts getting roger mori <laughs> this is where it goes full on roger Moore because it 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 doesn't make sense i'm sorry this whole thing doesn't make any sense it's it's it he says he gives a speech about go to the desert and walk to the end of the desert until it you starts can't getting walk. very silly right here yes it gets I very silly agree. and when he gave this speech, I thought he was being metaphorical, but turns out he was not being metaphorical because that's exactly what John Wick ends up doing. He just walks into the desert. But before but we're that, ahead though, of ourselves. Yeah, yeah, we got to make mention of this scene because it's fucking fantastic, dude. Yeah, it's an amazing so, fight scene. It's a, Holly it's Berry. The, I'm go, sorry. Go ahead, go Sophia ahead. and John Wick are in this huge gun battle. And in between this is Holly Berry's dogs. And they are apparently this was a martial art. Uh, developed four dogs that was made for this movie, which is fucking crazy. Really? Yeah, dude. That's um, amazing. And they play an integral role in this. I mean, she's like making commands. And I guess another thing too is Holly Berry got so good with these dogs. In most movies, the trainers are kind of off camera making the commands. She was so good with these dogs and spent so much time learning to dog train and 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 bond with these dogs. They did not need a trainer. Holly Berry was uh, calling out all these commands and they were doing exactly what she wanted. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. It, it's amazing that like so much dedication and time went into her role for this, which like you said, she probably only had, I'm going to say no more than 20 minutes of screen time in this movie, dude. Yeah. It's not a big, that's incredibly impressive because yeah, it's not a, she's technically the the co-lead of the movie. Like they marketed her as the co-lead because she's Halle Berry. She's famous, but she's not in the movie for very long. So to put that amount of dedication into it is, is extremely impressive. This and action it, it piece. Shows, Cause it's great. It's so good, dude. There, that's one thing I'll say about this movie. I think it has the most unique action sets. Um, uh, and, and it, it's the most impressive, impressive, uh, piece of, uh, well put together action scenes in the entire franchise and that's really saying something well yeah because they're all good and yes i i completely agree this this movie has two of my like two of the set pieces especially 
are my absolute favorite in the whole series. And it's a series of nothing but good set pieces. So yeah, yeah it's, it's incredibly impressive. And this dog scene is cool. But before I watched this movie for the first time, Mike had texted me and was like, Oh, wait till you see the dog scene. And I'm like, swear to God, if one more dog dies, I'm done with this franchise. <laughs> but no, it was the opposite. The dogs didn't die. It was, they were fine. They were the heroes. Yeah. So, so uh, take us through this desert scene though. Okay. So John Wick, Halle Berry, Sophie drives him out to the middle of the desert, pours her dogs a bowl of water, which I love, drinks the rest of the water, then spits it back into the bottle and gives it to John and then literally sends him out into the desert. And and again, I this is this was the direction that he was given and I thought it was metaphorical, but it's not because now he's just walking through the desert and based yeah. on the edits, it's assumed that he walks for multiple days through the desert. Yeah. And doesn't die or get tired, which I'm pretty sure he would. This the the the, the saving grace to this scene is that the cinematography is really good. There's some cool shots. There's like some really cool big shots, and it's very like stark with him in a suit. That's cool, but the rest of the scene makes no sense. So he eventually passes out and then wakes up in um a tent. This was literally a scene out of The Spy Who Loved Me. He is in what looks like a <laughs> Shaw's tent, and this is apparently the one who sits above. The high table. Um, I I don't know. I don't know why the one who sits above the high table lives in a tent in the middle of the desert. I don't know why he's so young. He's pretty young. He doesn't look old. Like they even no. call him at one point the elder. His name in the movie is just the elder, but he looks like he's thirty four. He just yeah. looks like he's thirty four with a suntan. He was younger than anybody in this fucking franchise. He is a child compared to everybody else in this movie, and he is the elder, and he controls. The high table. I also don't like, okay, a little nitpick. I don't like when movies or TV shows do this, where they establish who's in charge, and then they're like, but there's somebody above that person too. And it's like, that's just a cop-out. It's 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 just kind of a cop-out. Like, who's in charge? And why does this person control the high, the control, presumably control the table that controls the mobs or the assassins? We don't really know. Uh, either way, why? I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, this is where it calls into question if it is the mob or if it's assassins or the... whatever the fuck it is. Because well, based this guy, on how, based on how the guy was talking, Halle Berry's old boss, Sophia's old whatever, old boss, he was talking about assassins. So presumably, we're talking about a league of assassins here. So yeah. the guy who sits above the high table, uh, he comes across more like an assassin. So. Maybe it's just assassins. I don't know who employs all these assassins. How many people are getting killed on a regular basis? Yeah, I mean, you would think he would be in like some palace or something like that. But like you said, he's just kind of wandering. But I guess that maybe that they could. I guess you can justify that. Like this is how he evades the law, right? Like no yeah, one can you know fucking what, find know, him because he's in the middle you know of the, the desert. Law will get him. U.S. military sent a Scud missile right into his tent. Boom. Done. <laughs> Wick's like, I wish to keep living so I can remember my wife, which is kind of weird, but. Okay, let's talk about this real quick, because John Wick's motivations in this don't make a lot of sense. And we'll get to another no. reason why. But this this whole thing where he's like, he's been fighting these people the whole movie. And now he's like, I want to live so I can remember my wife. That's how I'm going to live. So I'm going to re-pledge myself to you, because that's what the elder says. He says, you can, we'll let you live. We'll get rid of the contract on you. Um, but you have to kill Winston. And after you do that, you're going to live out the rest of your days working for us. So basically he's saying, I want to live, but 
I'm going to be a slave to the high table and kill people again for the rest of my life. So he's fully back into being an assassin. And that's his motivation. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And then the craziest thing to me is the is the the elder says, pledge your fealty. That word fealty gets used way too much in this movie, by the way. It's said like 45 right. times. And, and the way he does it is to cut off his finger and present him his wedding ring. Uh, which is just feels completely out of character based on what we've seen so far. Yes. And also, if you if you're the elder, and you just re-recruited your best assassin ever in, uh, and you're like, cool, I got my best ever assassin back. Is the first thing you would do is make him cut off one of his fingers to make him a potentially worse assassin? Like here, mortally wound yourself now that you're working for me again. It 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 this whole thing makes no sense. I didn't like this either, dude. I, I thought. I don't want to see John Wick without a finger. I'm sorry. No, I no, it was stupid. The, the whole thing, just the, the setup, the location, the um, the hierarchy doesn't make a lot of sense. The motivations were weird. Again, I kind of mentioned this before. Some of the parts of this movie feel like they're just adding things in to pad the runtime because they had a whole bunch of cool set pieces and then they were like, well, we have to find things to put in the middle. Yeah. And how do we and they wrote themselves into this hole of everybody wants to kill John Wick. How do we get him? How do we get him out of that situation? Well, we'll just do this yeah. whole big thing where he goes to the person that controls high table. It's 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 all a little and five minutes later, this all gets thrown right out the window. We're not there yet, but this this doesn't even end up mattering at all. Yeah. So Wick goes back and uh, the assassins are there at the airport for him. And <laughs> Guys start getting killed in the middle of the airport, and like nobody gives a fuck. Uh, Mark Dacosta's or his character is zero. By the way, did you ever hear them call this guy zero once in this film? I don't no, recall. No, and I only I only knew that because I looked him up on IMDb and I saw his character's name was zero. He's never called zero in this movie. Yeah. So. Um. So he, you know, they show up and they're like, "We're going to be the only ones to kill you," and he kills one of the dudes. He ends up escaping, and there's this motorcycle chase scene, which is fucking fantastic, dude. Um, it's a great scene. So many cool things to even describe in this, but like very unique things you've never seen before in a motorcycle chase yeah. scene. It's 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 really it's a cool scene. Yeah, it's hard to describe, but it's a cool scene. Him and Zero end up fighting, and then like this is the part we talked about where Wick gets his hand on the Continental Grounds, and, and <laughs> this part was pretty funny. They go inside. And they're waiting to talk to the manager. And Wick sits down on a couch and Zero sits down right next to him. Like on top of him. Yeah. Like and then Wick. So close. He moves to the other chair and then Zero's <laughs> like, I just want to let you know it's an honor to meet you. And I'm such a big fan. And I'm like totally fanboying out right now. Like, yeah. Really funny, dude. It's great. We find out Zero and his and his and his men, his students, are all like John Wick fanboys. They're yeah. excited to get to meet him and potentially fight him, right. which helps John Wick later on. But yeah, they're they're all just fanboying out over John Wick, which is cool. So he goes to meet Winston, and Winston's like, "I'm not giving up the Continental." And he goes, "Well, here's something you can make a choice right now." He goes, "You can either die." Uh, what does he, he says, say? Like he says, you can die a man who was loved. Because because John Wick is saying basically he he gives the code phrase, which is I have served or I will and I will serve or something like that. Well, the one basically who sits saying, above has also said you need to go back and kill Winston. That's, that's the only right, way you can get back in. Yeah. 
he's there to assassinate. He's there, he's there to kill Winston. And, uh, right. and Winston says to him, you know, you can live and be a slave to these people or you can die standing up to them. But as a man who was loved by your wife and you can stand up for something. So that's why I was saying all that whole thing in the desert, 30 minutes of the movie, it meant absolutely nothing. He goes to Casablanca. He fights all these people. He walks through the desert and almost dies. He gets his finger cut off and then he goes back to New York. And five minutes later, he's like, yeah, actually, I shouldn't do any of that. Let's just kill these people. And and that's that's where that's where he ends up. Yeah. Um, so he stands with Winston and this scene is fucking great, dude. The Continental yeah. gets decommissioned because the the adjudicator shows up and he's like well you won't kill him he won't give up power so uh this is place is decommissioned you're free to do business on continental grounds Mm -hmm. so they send all these guards there now and they've got full-on body armor and all these guys i assume assume it's the same material that john wick's suit was made out of because it's 100 percent batman's cape bulletproof and it's such a cool setup for the scene because John Wick, the concierge, and Winston are all down in this like vault. Yeah. And Winston is just sitting there drinking cognac or whatever while the concierge and John Wick just walk in and out, like it reloading on guns to try to kill these people. It's it's such a fun scene. I love the scene. The first scene, Wick is out there with like handguns and shit, and he's not piercing it, so he's gotta shoot everybody in the neck. And then they go back and they get armor piercing rounds, and then he's blowing fools away with shotguns, uh, which is fantastic. Yeah. And then we get John Wick uh, getting the shit beat out of him by these two uh, shinobis. That's their names on on the casting. We have to mention the room. When John Wick first meets Winston at the back of the Continental, they say uh, Winston is in the administrative suite. The administrative suite is a room made of three stories of nothing but glass. Which costs $4 million to construct, by the way. Did it really? Yeah. Yeah, it's all breakaway glass. That's why. And yeah. and as as soon as you see this glass room, it's like, oh, we know exactly what's going to happen to this room, and it does. Because John Wick gets in like a twenty minute fight with Zero's men and Zero, and it's the Shinobi guys. The Shinobi yeah. guys, and it's nothing but glass breaking. Is that what yeah. they called Shinobi? That that's what they uh, the, said on uh, IMDb. Okay. These are the raid guys though, and they're beating the shit out of them, throwing them through all these glass. Wick gets a better hand to them, and then. Uh, he ends up fighting uh, Mark DeCosta's character at the end with a really good fight scene. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Ends great. up stabbing him and killing him. And then uh, he's like, ah, oh, you know, that was a pretty good fight, huh, John? And he just fucking dies there. He's still um, fanboying out. He's he's excited yeah. about how good that fight was. And then the adjudicator's like, I suggest we parlay. And so now Winston, Wick, uh, the concierge, and the adjudicator are going to parlay. And they cut a deal, and Wick's kind of looking at Winston like, what the fuck? And then Winston turns on Wick, and sh- this is the part that really bugs me, dude. Yes. He shoots Wick six times. Wick falls about nine stories down, hits everything on the way down, and somehow he's still alive. There's a part of this fall where he hits a fire escape, and you can see his back like wrap around the fire escape. He would be in two pieces by the time he hit the ground and he's just fine yeah it's a and little much they they throw him at the feet of morpheus who by the way earlier on in the film has been sliced up eight times and he's left for dead he's still alive he goes hey, hey, you know John. what he has now he's got a blowfeld scar he's got a blowfeld scar he's, he's like are you pissed off scar. 
And Wick's like, yeah, I'm pissed off. And so now this sets up for part four and five where it's going to be all-scale war against the high table is what I'm guessing. But That's it's kind of like they, they kind of go fast and the furious here with like the unrealistic part of this uh, whole franchise. That's a good way of putting it. It does feel very fast and furious. The first, the first two, um, he's yeah, not again, invincible not, like this. No, he's not invincible. He gets beat up a lot. Um, and and in the first movie, he could die twice. The only reason he doesn't is because uh, uh, Willem Dafoe's character Marcus is there to save him. Yeah. Um, but in this movie, he feels so invincible in some of these scenes. Um, there's a, there's a few scenes throughout the series. Like there's multiple times where he gets stabbed and he would just absorb it. Like I've never been stabbed, but I think it hurts a lot when you get stabbed. And that's, yeah. So there's a couple, like there's some moments where he's a little too invincible, but this is definitely the jump the shark moment when you fall nine stories and then just get up like it's no big deal. It's not, it's a little, it's a little strange. Uh, what do you think the body count was in this? Oh, this one had to be really high. They kill a lot of people. Okay, so the last one was 109 or 119. Uh, I'm going to say 138. 167. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I've been too conservative for these movies. Yeah. They kill a um, lot of people in these movies. Or in this ooh. one in particular. Yeah. So you have your rankings. Let's hear them. Okay. So... I just started watching these movies for the first time a couple weeks ago. I have yeah. a feeling my rankings are going to change over time. And these are probably going to sound surprising based on which movie I was most mean to. As of right now, my ranking is uh, one, three, and then two. And I, and I rank them that way purely because I'm ranking these movies almost entirely on the action. I, the, the first one was really fresh. It was tight. Um, I don't think it's as good as two, but I just enjoyed one more as a as a whole movie. Three is a little bit of a mess movie wise, but I love the action. The 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 set pieces I think are so clever and creative. Two, I really enjoy, and I could see two and one flipping in this at some point, but um, it is a little bit of a rehash of one, and I wasn't as intrigued. And I, I think I said to you the first time I watched these. The reason I went back and watched them again a second time was because I could not remember a single thing about the second movie after I watched it. Yeah, it, it just went in one ear and out the other entirely. So for now, that's my ranking. But still, I, they're all really close. I enjoy them. I I have the same ranking. Uh, oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Um, I think three is the most memorable. Um, it is and it's really memorable. It would have been number one if it wasn't for the the moments we pointed out. Um, one, I think is such a good build to who John Wick is and, and mm -hmm. an introduction to the character and the lore, um, two, like you said, there's too much of a rehash there. Um, you know, uh, the, all three of these movies are fantastic though. Um, oh yeah. They're very consistent. You could sit down and watch any of them at any time and you enjoy them. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, but I, I'm, I'm with you one is the best three is the second best and then you got two but all three are are, are fucking great so yeah, um absolutely yeah if you haven't seen these films if you're listening to this for the first time um 
go check them out because I, I recommend all three of them. Um, there's not one that I would not recommend. Totally. They're, they're so fun. They're, I'm really glad we did this because I these have been on my list to watch for a long time and I'm glad I finally got around to it because they were so enjoyable. When I'm weak, you make me strong. I know I can depend on you to show the way and see me through. Friends through eternity, loyalty, honesty will stay together through things ordained. Friends forever will be together. We're on top because we play to win. We'll make our dreams go. Thank you.